Amen. God is good. Father, we worship you, we praise you. We thank you, God, for you are righteous, you are holy, you are loving, you are receiving, you're patient, your plans are so immeasurably detailed all focused to bring us to a place where we know you. And not just know you, but as you said, to have life more abundantly. To know you in a way that we didn't even think possible. Father, I lay my life down as an example of that. For 40 years I knew you. I loved you. I had a type of relationship with you. I had a type of understanding of your word. I knew your word was alive, but I didn't make the connection that it was alive for me. I thank you, Father, for interweaving my life in a way that it would bring me to a place of recognizing the intimacy of the relationship that you wanted to build. I thank you, Father, that you're doing that in the hearts of so many here. For I see the fruit of it. We all see the fruit of it. The fruit is love. Thank you, Father. And I just trust you. And in obedience, Father, I ask entrance into your court. I ask entrance into your chamber that is a representative of your bride. That chamber that sadly is so dark. That box that we try to put you in and keep you in. I ask that you allow me for the purpose of declaration to be there this morning. 
for that's not the purpose of your bride. Your bride is to be beautiful. Your bride is to be, 1 Corinthians 13, love. Love that's personified in your son who magnified that love through you, Father. And has permeated it throughout this entire world through your precious Holy Spirit. We invite you here this morning. I pray, Lord, that every word that comes from my mouth is only yours. I give you my mouth. I give you my feet, my hands, my eyes, my ears. I give you every piece of me because it only has value. When it's in you. I pray, Lord, that what you speak this morning carries the weight that you intend. I promise the Lord, if prompted, I will not hold anything back. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord loves you so much. And, and I got to tell you, and I, I've shared this before, and I'll, I'll, I'll share the the preparation side of it, so so Alexis doesn't have to explain it later. But you have to understand the process that I go through in recognizing what the Lord wants on a Sunday morning, or any time I preach for that matter. The process is not deciding on a topic and studying the topic. I've shared that before. In fact, oftentimes I don't know what he wants to speak until he just chooses to speak. Until I step up to this microphone. So my preparation comes daily. My preparation comes in my life where... I build relationship with him and I give him my hands, I give him my feet. I give him everything of who I am and I just say, do with it what you want. So oftentimes what he speaks, he relates it to my life. And sometimes what I'm going through, sometimes things I've gone through, sometimes... Things that come out of left field. This week I've actually been wrestling with something. 
And the wrestling part isn't what God has been speaking to me. The wrestling part of it is that I didn't want it to have to come out of my mouth. (laughs) You ever wrestle with that? It's like, Lord, seriously, can you not get somebody else to do this? I don't even know what that means. Except God is good. All the time. I don't even feel that today's message, what the Lord wanted, I mean, it is for everybody, understand. But I feel this morning when he told me to ask permission to step into this particular court that I've been in now several times, I felt this was for the church. I say that because many of you, most of you, are right with me in this place. But I want to read something first. I did ask the Lord, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have me go through this, then, then give me a verse that puts it on you and not me. (laughs) And He did. In Matthew chapter 11, Verse 6. Very simple verse. See, you have to understand, Jesus' life was, was not a life of nicey-nice. It was not a life of, here, let me feel get you to feel better about yourself in the situation you're in. What he did is he came to this earth and he changed situation that people were in. And in verse 6, he was talking about John the Baptist. John was asking, is he the Christ? And he said, go and tell John what you've seen. Blind or healed, deaf or or hearing, the dead are raised. Go, Go tell him what you've seen. And then Jesus makes this statement in verse 6. He says, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. There's a lot in that statement. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Why would he be offensive? He's God. He came to redeem the world. He came to give us hope. He came to give us 1 Corinthians 13, love. Love that was immeasurable. Love that had no boundaries. Why? Why would somebody be offended by that? The quick answer to that is, I don't know. But they were. They were offended by it. See, when Jesus came... He came for the purpose of showing you real and true life. So I want to invite all those that are online with us right now to engage in this. And I do know it's going to be offensive to some. But I want you to turn... 
to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to talk about the bride this morning, and we're going to talk about what the bride is supposed to be. And the bride are those who have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart, who have literally been sealed by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 1, 13 and 14. When we accept Him into our heart, our spirit is sealed. We become a child of God. We become His children, the Bible says. We are His bride. And I know for the guys, that's kind of hard to, you know, kind of wrap your brain around. Y'all are pretty brides, too. I know, trust me, it was tough for me, too. But that's okay. Because the bride is who God is preparing for His Son to serve in His kingdom that has not come yet. That's why in Matthew 6.33 it says, Seek the kingdom of Him, of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Why? Because you are stepping into the supernatural when you are seeking Him in His kingdom. Because His kingdom does not dwell here yet. It will. Because He is the root of David. He is the offspring of David that will take the throne of David as has been prophesied since the very beginning. But it hasn't happened yet. But see, he's going to take that throne with a bride. He's going to take that throne with already have prepared people to serve with him. So let's look at chapter 5 here, beginning at verse 13. Jesus is sharing with his disciples and others, just sharing what the bride is supposed to look like. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor... Do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand? And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's exactly what Jesus did. See, Jesus never spoke of Himself. He always spoke of His Father. All the works that Jesus did were of the Father and by the Father and for the Father. Right? He said, I am in the Father. And so as we go into Jesus Christ, Jesus said, if you're in me, you're in the Father. Okay, now understand, this is where Christians kind of mess up a little bit. It is not simply because you have accepted Jesus Christ into your heart. See, we are saved from death when we accept Jesus into our heart. But we are with Christ in relationship as we step forward with Him and draw close to the Father. That is shining that light. If you don't believe me, how many Christians do you know? How many churches do you know 
that are not a light for the world, and yet you know that they know Jesus Christ as Savior. I mean, they're all over. They're all over the place. If the bride were really what the bride is supposed to be, well, first of all, Jesus would have already come back and gotten us by now, but we would see fruit all over the world, not just in pockets of the world. We wouldn't be dealing with 60 million babies offered as a blood sacrifice in abortion. Why? Because the love of God would have permeated everywhere. So when he says, you're the light of the world, or you're the salt that brings this, this flavor to the world, what he, he's saying this because we're not as a whole. And we're supposed to be. So often churches and, and Christians specifically feel that they're okay if they get their doctrine in a place where they feel comfortable with it. I'll tell you what, man, that's a tough place to live your life from. And I know it from personal experience because the doctrine that I grew up with, the doctrine that I taught as I became an adult, I came to realize how wrong it was. Now this wasn't about salvation. This was about relationship. See, I didn't understand what a real relationship with Jesus Christ meant. It meant, literally, that I give myself up and give it over to Him. Any of you that have seen a successful marriage, okay, Lex and I have been married for, for almost 30 years. It'll be 30 in November, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost 30 years, we've had a successful marriage. Why? Because we negotiated, well, okay, this part's yours, this part's mine, you get this, I get this. Don't mess with my stuff, and I won't mess with yours. Because we effectively negotiated how to operate together? No. No, we, we have not only survived for 30 years, we have thrived for 30 years. Why? Because... She has everything that I am. I have everything that she is. And together, God then forms something together to make that special. And I don't know how it works, but the Lord does it. But when you give everything of who you are to, to the Lord or to, to your spouse or whatever, you think you're giving away everything and what you end up getting in return is twice as much back. It's really quite extraordinary. And I think it's way more than that with God. Whatever you give to God, if you give Him your fears, if you give Him the fear of, well, Lord, I, I don't know that you're in this, or this doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how to step in this because I've never heard it before. I don't even see, see fruit of it. I don't see how it can work. But if you step in relationship with Him, I promise you one thing. In those areas, He's going to tell you to step. And He's not going to explain why. See, He didn't explain to Abraham why He wanted him to go to the land of Canaan. 
He didn't explain all that Abraham would go through. He did. He, I'm sure, because <laughs> Abraham kind of said it at the end, he, he did not even explain to Abraham that he would not realize his promise. If you don't believe me, read Hebrews chapter 11. See, Abraham never got to realize the promise. Abraham had Isaac after he kind of took it on his own to have Ishmael. But he never saw what was promised. He never saw even the land becoming his children's land. He never saw any of that. So see, God didn't lay it all out for him to be able to see and then step. God said, I need you to step and trust me. See, he needs us to step and trust him. Why? Because much of what we do and what we plow forward in is going to be proven out in those who walk behind us. We find ourselves in a unique position. And we've said this many times before. When you're given an apostolic calling, when you're given a calling to plow new ground, I got to tell you, that's a tough place to be. But sorry, it's not just me. It's you all. If you didn't know that, I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but if you're here, you are part of that plowing forward, that making new roads, that making new ground so that others can fall behind you. Anybody ever been to like jungles, whether it be South America, Africa, any of those? Okay. I've been to jungles. Isaac's been to jungles, okay? If you've been in a jungle that has never made a pathway, made a road or anything else, it's long going, hard going to get from one place to the next. I mean, you literally, I was just watching this Explorer show. It's so awesome. Love it. But but they they went, I think it was a quarter mile or something ridiculous like that, and it took them over a day. And, and literally, <laughs> that's what they're doing the whole way through. They're cutting their way through. Now, the next people that came to do it, they had a pathway to follow. You know, then somebody gets the idea, okay, Lord's telling me to widen the path. Then they go through widen the path. It takes them a while. But then the people behind them move through quicker. Then somebody gets led by the Lord, okay, we need a road here. Then all of a sudden it takes a while to build that road. It's already cleared, but it takes a while to build that road. Why do you need a road? Because if you've ever driven on the back roads of Africa versus the paved roads, I mean the newly paved roads of Africa, there's a huge difference. You know, the difference is going 20 miles an hour Versus in Nigeria going about 150 miles an hour. Right? It took people to plow that and to build that road before everybody could begin to move. That's what's happening right now. Blessed are the ones who are not offended by what Jesus says. See... Because Jesus did not come here. Forgive me for saying this. He didn't come here to make friends. 
If he did, he wouldn't have been killed. And his purpose would not have been done. You know what? I want you to turn to Luke. Uh, Turn to Luke chapter 12. And this is a tough word. Luke chapter 12, verse 49. I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. What does that mean? He wished, when Jesus Christ came, He wished that the fires were already kindled for when He came and died, it would just explode. But it didn't. It didn't. Not globally. The church began after he rose from the grave and, and ascended to the Father. And, and in numbers of that, of that time frame, you know, you could certainly consider 3,000 in one day, first day, an explosion. That's not what Jesus is talking about because he's talking about the world. He said, I went, I came to bring fire on this earth and I wish, I wish that there was already kindling all over the globe. So when I brought this fire, it would catch all over the world. But it didn't. And it wasn't ready. Do you understand that that fire that he has brought is still here? And it's the bride's specific purpose to spread that kindling all over. So the explosion comes now and all over. He said, verse 50, I have a a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. This was before he died on the cross. He said, I have a reason to be here. And I am stressed until it happens. We know he was stressed because the night before he was crucified, he was in the the garden and he was praying out so strenuously that he sweat like drops of blood. It grieved him what he was going to go through, not for his own purpose, but for the very purpose of what we just read. Are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? Father, this world isn't ready for this. He said, if there be any way for this cup to pass before me, let it pass. Yet not my will, but yours. See, the Father knew what had to begin. Just as the Father knows now what has to be kindled. And those churches, and I'm not saying it's just us. But those churches that understand relationship with Jesus Christ are plowing a new road. A new road so it will be easier for those behind. So sometimes when we're plowing, we face difficulty. Right? If you're plowing a new area, I'll tell you what. I'll refer back to my favorite show, Gold Rush. I remember three years ago when, when uh, Todd went down to, I think it was Guyana, 
I think it was Guyana. It was in South America. So it was probably right by where you grew up, Wendy. But he went to Guyana and, and thought that he was going to, you know, pull up all this gold. It's so, so gold rich down there. And he found nothing but trouble bringing all his um, big American equipment in there and bringing in this American mentality. And what he found was as he was plowing new ground to get literally to the site he needed to, he faced opposition. Finally, opposition that actually threw him out of there because they tried to kill him. That was a really cool season, by the way. Okay, but do you understand that you're going to face opposition when you're plowing a new road, when you're plowing new ground, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face people that think you're crazy. You're going to face people that think you're flat out wrong. But you're also going to face people that say, that can't possibly be right. Because I've been a Christian all my life. And God never works that way in my life. See, your reaction can't be, well, yeah. Because that would be my reaction. Your reaction has to be a broken heart. Has to be a broken heart because they just don't know. Just like at one point you didn't know. At one point I didn't know. See, my, my heart breaks for me six, seven years ago that just didn't know. Why does it break? Because I've been on the other side. I've been on the side that receives relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and it's not, a, it's not a, a, a black and white thing where it's this or that. Because relationship comes in a sequence of opening our eyes. It's not like you say, okay, Lord, I want relationship, and boom. Okay, I'm a different person now. I know everything now. No. It's by giving him your yes, he says, okay, here's a piece. It's like, like a little baby. You don't just start giving him ribeye steak. Uh, did that happen with me? I really like ribeye steak. I don't know. Right? You start, you start, be, you start feeding them food that they can eat, that they can chew, that they can digest and it grows strength in them and they they get to the point where they can eat more and eat more and eat more that's what's happened to you and me that's what the lord wants to do with his bride and yet we expect oftentimes for it to be easy let's keep reading we'll see how easy it is Verse 51, do you think that I have come to give peace or bring peace on this earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son. And son against father. Mother against daughter. And daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What was Jesus saying there? 
He was saying relationship is individual. My relationship with Christ is not subject to me bringing others along with me. Same with you. My choice is for myself. That isn't to say that I can't have effect on others. We all have effect on others no matter what we do. We affect others. But truly the choices that I make can only be for me. And Jesus said that I came, in Matthew, it gives a little bit different rendition. It says that instead of he came to bring fire on the earth, it says he came to bring a sword. He came literally to divide. And if you think it's just salvation, just accepting Jesus into your heart, then then you're confused, because that's what I thought for a long time. Well, yeah, all those who who are saved, they're going to be divided when they die, because one goes up, one goes down. That's pretty much divided. That's not what he's talking about. See, it wasn't until I understood relationship with him that I really could come to understand this passage. Because when you step out in relationship for Jesus Christ... You step out regardless of who follows you. Regardless of even if the one who loves you most understands. Because they'd only be second anyways. Because the one who loves you most is Jesus Christ. And when you step out, you step out regardless of what's called. Now, now the beauty of that is God said, you'll be known by your fruit. When you step out and you trust Him in relationship, and He begins to work in your life, things start to show in your life that bring credence to the fact that you have a relationship. How many know I have a relationship with Alexis? Okay, about a third of you. Awesome. In reality, if you have a relationship with someone, that should be evident to the people around you. Right? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it should be evident to the people around you, in a good way and in a bad way, because it just depends on how they receive it. But I can tell you that no matter how they receive it, truth is truth. My truth is No different than your truth. We might believe differently. But that just means that one of us is not believing truth. And the fruit of our lives is what shows that truth. And and by the way, I'm not talking about obscure doctrines. Okay, I mean, we we can disagree on some doctrines. Right? I I, I believe that, that Jesus as he died on the cross, rose from the grave, is sitting at the right hand of the Father. I, I believe that, that he is, uh, that he is 100% man. He's 100% God, but he is 100% man. He did not lose his, his manhood, whatever you want to call it. He didn't lose that when he ascended to the Father. And by the way, he's never going to lose it. He will always be. That is the literal, eternal sacrifice that Jesus and the Father made 
for you and me. See, our payment was eternal. So there had to be a portion of his that was eternal as well. He took on the frailty of a man. Okay, you could disagree with that. That doesn't change who we are in Jesus Christ or anything else. That Doctrines that I wouldn't consider fundamental, that, that shouldn't have to make the bride not play well together. But it does. The gifts are a big one. The gifts are a big one. I remember when the Lord began opening my eyes to Him speaking to me. And and I just remember saying, Lord, and I've shared this before, I, I said, I need two things from you. I said, one, show me in your word that this is absolutely correct because I trust your word. I said, but Lord, show me in a way. I, in, in other words, literally give me the ability to teach others because I'm going to lose my family on this. Now, at that time, I was thinking, Alexis, I mean, I can kind of force my children. No. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> right, I know. You know, how, okay, that part wasn't from the Lord. <laughs> that was out of my own mouth. No. But at that time, I was thinking, you know, I, I don't have the ability to convince my wife of something that we grew up thinking just the opposite of. And so God did give me that, that ability, and, and obviously you, you, you see what, what he has done. But it's that doctrinal change that literally has separated us from everybody. I mean, it's ridiculous things that we're called. Yeah, everybody knows we're called a cult. And which, by the way, I, I get a kick out of that because I suppose, now, now don't, don't take this video and chop it up and then put it out there. I suppose we are. Because what is a cult? A cult believes in a living Messiah and they follow a living Messiah. Jesus Christ is our Messiah. And he's alive. He just happens to be somewhere else. Okay, but those separations are not to stop us. Why? Because it's the fruit in our relationship with Christ that literally will salt the earth. That will salt the situation. Even those who don't believe, that's okay. I, I, I face this literally, man, all week. All week. Boom, it's like, it's like just one after another. Satan doing this. With people that I love and care for. Just calling me a whack job. So, so how do we respond to that? How did Jesus respond? He loved him. He loved him. Jesus never went after anybody. Except those who would spread false lies. See, we're not... To go after anybody. We're to love. Because that's the very sword that Jesus said he brought. You don't think of love as a sword, but yet it is. Why is it a sword? Because Satan doesn't know how to fight against it. 
Hebrews said that, that the, the angels were made for servanthood, not for relationship. Man was made for relationship, not, not, not the angels. And so the very core of relationship is love. Angels don't understand it. That's why even the two-thirds of the angels that did not fall with Satan, they look at us and they marvel. They marvel at our faith. They look and they, they're just like, wow, I, I don't understand this love, but I, I see it. And it's, it's awesome. See, we're to spread that love regardless. And not let it affect us what is said. Because Paul said, by your fruit, you'll be known. That means we have nothing to do with it. By our fruit in our lives, we don't produce our own fruit. Right? We might, might let the Lord cultivate the tree or, 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 you know, prune the branches. But He's the one that produces the real fruit. Any fruit that you produce is not fruit at all. So the fruit that he produces, that's what's going to make it obvious to them at some point. And you have to just recognize in your heart that it's okay if they don't. How many in here are parents? Okay, if if you have a child that doesn't understand something that you're telling them, it's not that you grab them by the neck and just keep shaking them until they get it. It's like, I'll, I'll keep working on it. I mean, it, it, I'm not going to be offended that they don't get it because I'm going to show them and continue to show them the truth. The truth, even by our own lives. That's what we're to be. That's salt. That's the light of the, of the world. We're to be that light of the world, the city, city on a hill. And is it Toby Mac does a song about city on a hill or something? Yeah, somebody does. I don't know. Okay, that city on a hill is not an automatic thing. That city on a hill, that, that light that you become only comes through relationship. It doesn't come through your credentials as a Christian. The credentials just get you into heaven. That's all it does. You're saved by grace. You did nothing to earn it. You certainly did nothing to deserve it. It is a free gift that you merely accepted. Don't assume that gives you the right for people to think you live for Christ. Living for Christ is earned. Living for Christ is something that has a cost. I want to go back to Matthew, I think. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. Now we get into some of the nitty gritty of what this means. Verse 17. Do you not think that I have come to abolish or do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. By the way, let me point something out there. 
Jesus said that the law was brought on literally to condemn. And Paul said that in, in, uh, um, in Romans. It said that they were not held responsible until Moses brought the law, which I, I'm still wrestling with that one. That, that's, that's just extraordinary to me. Because I don't know what that means. Everybody prior to Moses getting the law, they're all in heaven. I, I don't, I don't understand that totally yet, but. But when the law came, it came as a measuring rod. As a, as a measuring stick to the righteousness of man, and nobody could stand up to it. Nobody could. That's why Jesus Christ, as God, as the Son of God, had to insert himself into his own creation to live a perfect, sinless life, to fulfill that law, not to abolish it, but to become a filter for it. Okay, I want you to get this because, see, we think of things in terms of, well, grace is over here and then we have legalism over here and it's a, it's, it's a choose one or the other. You know, if you want to live under grace, live under grace because it's a much happier life. You know, you could do things, God says, yeah, I forgive you and you're okay and, and you move on with life. Okay. Then there's the other side where, where, where you go down the strict, part of the law and 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 everybody is angry with each other and everybody condemns each other and and I speak that um with authority because that is how Alexa and I both grew up not not in my family but in the schools I went to when when you adhere to the law you see it in the Pharisees they adhere to it when people look and then when people aren't looking they don't Right, So it's not that you have these two extremes. When Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, he did not abolish the law, what he just said. He literally created a filter for it. And he said, Father, as I die for these people, and you raise me from the grave, and I come and sit at your right hand, then you will look through my eyes at these people. And he sees, the Father sees us as righteous. I've experienced this in the courts. And some of you may understand this, some, some of you may not, and that's okay. When I've been in the courts, I've experienced this where, where I would ask this, the Father something before the court, and literally, it, it surprised me the first time he did it, literally, he would turn to his right, and he would speak to Jesus. And Jesus would give the filter of that relationship to the Father. So see, the Father sees us through Jesus' eyes. Now then we, we just assume, well, yeah, okay, then that grace thing feels pretty good, and that can apply to every part of my life, because I can get saved, get my golden ticket to heaven, and then I can live how I want to, because... The Father sees me through Jesus' eyes. But let me tell you something. Alexis knows the extent of relationship that I have with other people. Right? Why? Because we talk. She knows if I have a friendship, okay? Jeff and I are dear friends. 
Okay, she knows the extent of that relationship. Why? Because we talk. Because I share with her that I was out with him the other day and, and we did this and did that. And, and so she sees the relationship that we're building together. Do you not think that it's the same exact thing with the Father? Jesus shares with the Father the relationship that we build with Him. Why? Because He is in the Father. Now, I'm not saying the Father doesn't know anything until He shares it. The Father knows everything. doesn't mean He doesn't share it. Because Jesus is the only one that fulfilled the law. That literally purchased the right for Him to say, this person, because they've accepted me, goes, goes to heaven or not. Right? They've accepted me, so they go to heaven. But because of him fulfilling the law, he also has the right to say, but if you want relationship with me, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you giving up things that would tear your relationship apart. Right? When Lex and I got married, if, if I kind of wanted to hang on to a couple other girlfriends, that would have been a problem. Right? I mean, that would have been an issue. If I wanted to hang on to some things that would affect our relationship, that was my choice. But what I'm giving up is my relationship. Okay, with Jesus Christ, it's the same way. When you carry on with a sin that you're aware of, and that's why I brought up that, that the children of Israel were not held accountable until Moses gave the law. But when you are made aware of a sin, and you do nothing about it, it will hurt your relationship with Jesus Christ. It flat out will. Now, the ones that we're unaware of don't. That's what he said in Hebrews. We're not held accountable. We'd be held accountable in, in our sin before the Father, but we're already seen as righteous before the Father. Because he sees us through Jesus' eyes. But Jesus took on the sin that we're unaware of. That's why David cried out. I think it was Psalm 139. Am I right? 139. Where he cried out, show me any wicked way. Show me anything in my life that I have done that I'm unaware of so I can immediately be sorry for it. Because I want nothing between us. As you build your relationship with Jesus Christ, he will show you those things. Why? Because they are between you. It's not just by you saying, I want relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and he just, here you go. It's the whole book. It's all yours. No. No, he turns to chapter 1, and he says, okay, here's what I'm going to reveal to you. And based on what you do with that, and, and based on some of these other things in later chapters that are barriers, they're in the way. You can't even read that because... You can't see it because they're in the way. Let's go through chapter 1 and let, let's, let me begin to reveal some of these barriers 
then through chapter 1, you're being shown some of these barriers that get in the way of relationship with Christ. And each time you have a choice. And by the way, those aren't always sin. Understand that. Because when I build relationship with Alexis, okay, it's not just sin that if, if, if I was in sin or something and I had to, I had to make that right with her, it's, I mean, yes, you do that, but it's not always just that. It could be a misunderstanding of me understanding something she's saying. I had no idea that hurt you. I'm still accountable to that. I may not even be aware of it. That's why it's not held to my account until I am aware of it. Once I'm made aware of it, it's held to my account, so I have an opportunity at that point to say, that is ridiculous, get over it, I'm done. I'm going to go play golf. Be better before I get back. <laughs> yeah, by the way, in my household, that wouldn't last too long. <laughs> See, but I could choose to do that, or I could choose to say, Honey, I, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that offended you. I had no idea that's how it made you feel. And then we begin to have a dialogue about that. To see where the real root of change needs to come about. Because that change may be that I need to change some, some habits or, or some ways that I act so she does not receive that. It's no different than with Jesus Christ. He begins to share with us things that literally block us from understanding. You know, the, the, the Bible says, and, and when I say this, I'll, I'll almost guarantee that everybody in here has prayed this prayer. When, when we read that wisdom is from the Holy Spirit, and we pray for wisdom, how come so often we don't get it? It's like, Lord, seriously, I prayed for wisdom. You said you sent the Holy Spirit to give wisdom, and I'm just as dumb as I was yesterday. I still don't get it. I still don't understand. This, this portion of Scripture, God, you said that you are the interpreter of this. I've read this a thousand times. I'm still not getting it. Why aren't you answering me? How about a better prayer is, I trust your word and it says that you're the interpreter. So, Father, show me what I'm missing. Show me what I've placed in the way as a barrier that keeps me from understanding what you want. See, that is the basis of relationship. That is the basis of relationship with the Lord. If you're not doing this every day, you're not building relationship. That's a tough word right there. If this is something you only pay attention to on Sundays, or on Tuesday nights, or before you go to bed, or when you first wake up in the morning, wherever you, you read your Bible... If that's your concentrated God time that, okay, God, you got to do it within this 10-minute period here. I need to know the barriers. And then you walk on to something else. You're missing out. 
Because relationship with Christ is not a segregated thing. He doesn't want to be in just part of your life. He wants your life. And by the way, he deserves it. Why? Because he gave his. He gave his for it. Now from the flip side of that, when you start to do that, when you start to say, Jesus, every moment of my day, I want to give to you, remind me. That's how it started with me. You know, I, I, I mean, you, you have to understand, I, I sat where you guys sat for years. I, I sat trying to figure out how, how to, and it wasn't that I didn't love the Lord. I loved the Lord. I didn't understand this concept of relationship, but I wanted it. And, and so Lord, I, I finally got to the point because, because I recognize how, how easily, uh, divided I am, how, how easily distracted I can be. I got to the point where, where I said, Lord, I want to bring you into every part of my day, every day, 24 hours a day, but I'm struggling, so remind me. And I promise you, if you remind me, I'll do it right then. I won't delay. And I remember at the beginning, he would remind me, and there were a few times where I didn't do it. I, I, I'm like right in the middle of something, and well, I can't really think about this right now. And, 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 and it was like he was testing me. And then it would drop off. And I, okay, Lord, I am so sorry for that. Lord, remind me again. And I'll begin giving you my day. At, 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 there came a point where I was mindful. He kept reminding me literally all the time. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. And I would begin including him in what I did. Wow, what a revealing time. You know, how about, there, there's no greater way to figure out if the Lord wants to, if, if something is of the Lord or not, than to invite him to be a part of it. Right? I, I remember this business that I was trying to build, and, and this, was, um, this was right when all of this, you know, listening to the Lord's voice and all was happening. I, I, was, I was building this, but by the way, it was an awesome concept. I mean, literally a billion dollar a year easy industry. <laughs> but it kind of shaded on gambling. You know, I justified it. <laughs> um, but as I'm doing this, and I'm bringing the Lord into it, and, and, and you know, I justified it by the fact that, well, 10% of it goes to, goes to the homeless and all this stuff. And, and you know, we had a lot of people. We, we had... We had uh, uh, put a lot of money into it. We had a lot of people that were on the board. And and I began to include the Lord in it. And it didn't take him long to say, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you trying to mold me into something else? He said, I, I'm here to mold you. Are, are you willing to be molded? And And I remember the day when I walked away from that, after investing all this money, after investing literally two years, walking away, realizing, you just spoke to me. You, you literally just did what I've been asking for for years. 
that I want to hear your voice, that I want you to, to guide me and lead me. So, so when we ask him that, we have to be willing to receive the answer. We have to be willing to receive the results and not be dissuaded by it. Because sometimes, and some of you, he's going to call onto a path that's not going to be a popular path. It's going to be a difficult path. It's going to be a path your family doesn't like. It's going to be a path that, that might be a struggle. It's going to be a path that the world will think, you are crazy to do that. Why are you giving up all this? Because I want relationship. See, if that relationship isn't the most important thing to you, you're going to get trapped. And you're going to hit those blocks and you're never going to make it to chapter 2. But if your goal is relationship and just, Lord, show me the blocks, show me the walls. And then he begins to reveal them. Then, Lord, show me how to knock them down. Show me, Lord. That's not an easy process either. Unless you do it in the Lord. Why? Because no one's going to think. I mean, they're going to think you're whacked. It didn't make sense to anybody, including my wife, that the Lord wanted me to close the business and sell all my tools. Didn't make sense. Because we couldn't sell all our monthly bills. (laughs) Those stayed. Right? It's not always going to make sense what the Lord's calling you to do. But it will always bring you closer in relationship to Him. That's how you know. That's the fruit. I guarantee you, the people that are around you, as you start having these walls and these barriers broken in your life, and, and you start developing this relationship with the Lord, they will see that. They may not see it immediately. Why? They didn't see it in Jesus immediately. He went back to Nazareth and he couldn't do many many miracles. Why? Because they kept seeing him as, isn't that Joseph and Mary's son, the carpenter? I mean, he makes a cool table, but seriously? (laughs) See, so Jesus had to step forward no matter what. No matter if people loved him, no matter if people hated him. But just like Jesus, God will always place people in your life that will be an encouragement to you. That will be family to you. It may not even be your actual family at first. It may be a total stranger that becomes family. You know, Jesus said... When, when the disciples said, hey, your, your mom and brothers and sisters are outside, they're, they're trying to get your attention. And what was his response? Oh, tell them to wait a minute. No. His response was, who are my brothers? Who is my mother? Aren't these who follow me my family? Now, I'm not discounting family at all. But understand that God will put people in your life that will encourage you and help you in the process of relationship with him. That, honestly, that is what brought this church together. We are seriously a group of misfits, right? I mean, I mean, you, you ever see that? I don't even remember what it was when I was growing up. It was that, that Christmas story where it's all these misfit toys. Is that Rudolph? 
There you go. All these misfit toys that, that didn't have a place to be together, but then they found love in each other. See, God will never leave you hanging. As you build relationship with Him, He will never leave you hanging. He will bring people around you or bring you into people that will love you and support you. Why? Because that's how it's manifest through Him. But see, then there's an obligation. We have an obligation. God has done that in this church. He has made us a family. Why? Just so we can kind of hang out together and have a really cool creation, which by the way, it was really cool. (laughs) No. It's so the world can see what it means to have a relationship with Christ. So the world can see that their step doesn't have to be as difficult as some of ours have been. That's what happens when you plow new ground. You plow it so it's easier for the next person. That's why Jesus plowed that ground of the law. So it'd be easier for the next person. One, he took salvation, he took that, that going to hell thing out of the way. Just get that out of your mind. That's done. You've accepted Christ. You're done. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. You can't even give it back if you wanted to. But that's just the beginning. Now he offers you relationship with him and real, effective power. Not power for yourself. Power through you of him to affect the world. That's what he wants. So I I want you to be encouraged this morning If it, boy, if you walk away with nothing else, I want you to walk away with the fact that try Him at every point of your day. And, and say, Lord, if I forget, remind me. Remind me. But give Him every piece of your day and see what He does with it. And it may not happen for a week. It may not happen for two weeks. It may not happen for a month. But if you continue doing that, he will begin opening up that relationship to you and it'll blow you away. Because then you'll look back a month later and you'll realize, oh wow, he really did do something that first day or that first week. I just didn't realize it. And I, I see that all the time. I see that all the time where, where I'll, I'll pour into somebody and there's just no fruit from it. And, and a month or two later, I'll, I'll say, oh, wow, okay, there was fruit from it. Because you did it, Father. So I want to encourage you in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you and praise you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you did not come to this earth to bring peace. But you came to bring a sword. You came to bring a yes or a no. Your intention is not lukewarm. Your intention is hot or cold. In fact, your intention is hot. But you can better deal with cold than you can lukewarm. So, Father, I pray this morning that you burn in our hearts that it begins with us. That for the world to change around us, it has to begin with us saying yes to you. 
and giving you our hands and giving you our feet, giving you our eyes and giving you our ears and our mouths to do with whatever you want. And Father, I declare as I am in your your chamber, I declare that this is your desire for your church. That you are drawing a line in the sand for your church. That it will not be business as usual any longer for your church. That your expectation, because it's time, your expectation is high. And that lukewarm will no longer build relationship. Because you want those who are on fire. You want those who are hungry. Because that's where you manifest your work. That's where you manifest your love. So I declare, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, for for me, and I can speak for ignition, that we give you our yes. Our desire is relationship with you through your son. Our desire is to diminish ourselves, only to have you increase. Have your way, have your will, and manifest it in your love, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So some time ago, Greg had, had said to me that he wanted me to if the Holy Spirit highlighted something, he wanted me to mention it after he does his message. And so um, before I give announcements, I always ask the Lord, what is it you highlighted? And I got to say, from the first verse that he gave about not being offended, that's just been going over and over and over in my mind. What, what does that mean about not being offended? Um, yes, we grew up in legalism, but that's the, the church I was saved in. So it isn't about negating um, that there, there were aspects of, of, of amazing truth that came through um, some of those experiences. And one thing that, um, that it hit me, you know, when he was mentioning 1 Corinthians 13 and the love, the love chapter that we know, if you look at the, the chapter in Matthew before Matthew 11 I think it's verse 6 that says the blessed is he that is not offended in me. If you read all of chapter 10, really Jesus is just laying out what does it look like to be sold out. And one thing that hit me in this whole thing about being offended, there is something, and, and if you've ever been around a person, I've actually, even though I've you know, been a fitness trainer for years and years and have always been what I thought was pretty you know, you know, into healthy eating, Um, One of my sisters one time got really radically into healthy eating because she had some issues that had to make her streamline her diet. And I remember she got really passionate about it. And as sisters, we were always sharing things with each other. And I remember just thinking, rolling my eyes every time she would be around me like, okay, so you're so great because you've got, you know, you're just all into health and that's great. 
And there was something about her passion that offended me. And I had to really think about that. Like she's, she wasn't preaching at me, but she was so excited about what she was learning about how to be more healthy to deal with these issues. And if you've ever met someone, you know, passion itself can be offensive to people. There is, a, there is an enthusiasm that when a person gets a passion, that it can be off-putting to people. I've seen it happen within families. Somebody gets a dream to go on and, you know, have, has a, this passion to excel. And family members don't even realize that they say in underhanded things that actually hinders that person or they try to hinder them from excelling because it's somehow it's it's a projection of somehow that your passion around me holds me responsible and I don't want to be responsible so it's interesting how that's really what made just hit me with this concept of this being sold out giving god your yes it can be offensive but what i want to say to all of us who and i need to say it to myself too when you're passionate about something and when you're sold out to something, really looking back, and this isn't a message after the message, I promise, but I had to just, I, I didn't have this memorized in this translation, so I got this out to read to you. But in 1 Corinthians 13, I thought that was a podium, it's just not. So. He's got his thing on there, so I just have to highlight this. Bear with me. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, I know it's so old school. Sorry about that. Um, but this this chapter, does this sound like you in your passion for God? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it doesn't keep record of when it's been wrong. It's never glad about injustice. And it never rejoices whenever, and it re, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Now, it goes on and on, but that's the new living. If we don't have love, and that's the chapter where Paul says, I can have all knowledge about everything, but if I don't deliver it in love, yeah. I've got nothing. Amen. And our yes and our intention of following God if we are not careful, we will offend. See, it's not good when we offend. When the Holy Spirit offends, it's a different kind of offense. But we can offend by being rude. You know, there are people that are pretty passionate either for or against this president and this administration and these decisions. And this is the most polarized I've ever seen in this nation politically. But what, what's happening is people can't even engage in any kind of dialogue now. They can't even express, well, why are you for him? Or, well, why are you against what, what's happening now? There's just immediate hatred. There's immediate rudeness. There's immediate accusation and a lack of understanding. That's, that's scary. And, and now there's, they don't even need to know anything about you. If, if you're wearing a hat, you got a bumper sticker, we're going to trash, we're going to trash you. We're going to steal your hat or whatever. I mean, it's, it's getting that crazy. And if that's what begins to happen within the church because of doctrinal differences, you know, being on fire, we need to let, if it's going to offend, it's got to be the Holy Spirit offending. Yeah. It's not about demonizing somebody for how they are different than us. 
It's about being on fire ourselves. Because you know what nobody can ever take from you? is your own testimony. Amen. Your own passionate testimony. So that's what it's about. And, and if there's any translation here or online that, that the message is about demonizing churches that don't have that. Now, you know, that isn't, that isn't what it is. But when you read scripture, it, it, one of the things that might offend you if you're a lukewarm Christian is Matthew chapter 10. Read the 10 before the 11. And read what Jesus says, and you're just going to go, ooh, that's a little tough. So that's what makes it a tough word. Not because Greg is saying things need to be a certain way. It's because Jesus lays out, what does it look like to follow me? Amen. You know, it's hard because it's like we don't understand. We've, in, in, as a generality, the bride has gotten so lukewarm that to hear what it looks like to be sold out, much less be apostolic, is... Is like okay, okay. Now, now you, now you cross the line. Like I, I get coming to church, I get being faithful. Okay, yeah, read my Bible. I gotta give my money, you know, tithe. I, I get that, although that's kind of like over the top too, you know. But start getting radical. Start, start getting to where it's, it's my every breath. Hmm. Oh no, you didn't. You know, that's, that's sad. That that's, but yet. That's not somebody's idea. That's just straight out of the word. Yeah. And and so it's almost like let's just get back to the basics. You know, why be a Christian if you can't be a radical Christian? You know, that's boring. Amen. That's that's religion. That's dead works. And it's the religious people of Jesus' day that actually put him on the cross. Yeah. That's pretty scary. Yeah. So just think about that. Um, be passionate. But if you're truly passionate and filled with the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 13 that I just read, that's what's going to come out of you. Not getting up in somebody's face or treating them in a certain way because they're not who you are, but just being so in love with Jesus that your 55-a-gallon drum is filled to the top, and that is what's spilling over. Yeah. You're not spilling over. Holy Spirit is spilling over yeah. out of you. Yeah. So um, thank you. That's such a great word today, and, um, and it isn't easy. It isn't easy because, um, I, you know, I get to... His gift of faith doesn't let him get as affected as, as I do sometimes as a wife, but... He is misunderstood often, and I get it. I see why it's easy to, to misunderstand, you know, to, to be misunderstood when you sometimes you say something, you're kind of like, "That wasn't me. Let me show you in the Word where that was." <laughs> you know, I'm just the messenger because we sometimes miss these scriptures that are really radical, and yet that's what God expects. But that's because God wants to give us everything. He yes. wants to give us everything, and, and he, he needs our everything. Um, so. I, uh, I, I do want to give you a couple of announcements. First of all, I do want to say...